It is the Shop Steward Corner on Metro FM Talk with me, Notemba. And by the way, uh, we are focusing on uh, education. And we're talking to the Deputy General Secretary of Satu and Kosana Dolopi. So if you happen to be a teacher or maybe a principal of a school or in the uh, uh, education department and uh, you want to share your views and uh, comments on uh, the issue, you are welcome to do so. Send your voice notes on on 79 4270. I'll repeat that. 079-191-4270. Or you can give us a call on 089-110-3377. Well, our story today on the Shop Steward Corner is um, about uh, the reports that s- principals are drowning in the education department's administration demands. Um, rem- uh, uh, reminding that officials... Uh, are saying there are unrealistic deadlines that have been set. Apparently, in the onset of uh, COVID-19, principals say the volume of bureaucratic demands from the Department of Basic Education has increased in its bid to ensure that schools comply with safety regulations. Now, the increase has left a lot of people very frustrated, frustrated and battling to cope, especially the principles. Well, let's find out what needs to be done. <laughs> I, I, I almost changed your, your, your sex to a female. Kosana, how are you? I'm okay. It's not to mind you. I, I, I'm fine. And it's in November. November. No, it's a number. We are going to in So, Kosana, maybe let's let's just set the scene and give our listeners an idea of what the situation is. When the principal says that principal say they are drowning in administrative demands from the department, Masebenzeni, uh, why are they complaining? Or really, is this more than uh, what we may think it is? Yeah. Good evening, and thanks for having us. Mm. Look. Uh, the real thing that should be happening at schools, uh, schools are about learning and, and teaching. Mm. Uh, that's the main, main task. Uh, and therefore, a, a principal, as a manager of the school, should in fact be assisting us to realize, to make sure that we realize this objective, uh, that learning, our learners must learn and teachers uh, must teach. But uh, there are extra tasks fact, the burden is so much such that the teachers might end up not being able to focus on the key area uh, that is learning and, and teaching. And uh, mostly it's because of uh, our schools uh, in the townships and in the rural areas are understaffed. I think that's the most, most important challenge that we are having. Mm. As a result of that, then they have to do things that under normal circumstances they would not be doing. If you could really get to schools in the townships as opposed to the schools in the suburb, uh, the ex-model C schools, you will get a teacher principal without uh, a clerk, for instance, or a PA, something like that. Somebody would assist him to do some administrative work. You should not be surprised in some instances where a principal must even type a letter and so on and so forth. And you must remember that while they are supposed to be doing all this administrative work, there are instances in schools.
in our township where they must still get into a class and go and teach. And go and teach. And uh, you have a situation whereby while they are in class, they must from time to time be called out of the class to come and attend to administrative issues, to come and attend to stakeholders, to come and attend to requests by the Department of Education, and, and all of these things there. So I think uh, the challenges that they are facing are not exaggerated. They are not complaining. Mm. But it's a reality that they are facing on a daily basis to an extent that if not attended to, they could be burned out. Many of them, in fact, are burning out. That's why there was a time, I think, where many of them just wanted uh, to get out of the schooling system yeah. uh, because of the pressures that they are facing. There was a time where we lost uh, good experience uh, principles because of these uh, pressures that they are facing. You calling it drowning. They are indeed a fair number, more especially in the, our township schools, are drowning. Nkosana, uh, is, is, is this brought on by uh, the situation now because of requirements thanks to COVID-19? Or has this situation been so before COVID even came into the scene? Ah, it has always been like that uh, since November. I mm. think COVID is just compounding it. Uh, what COVID is doing is that COVID has this thing of uh, just making the voice louder. But the question of uh, uh, understaffed uh, schools has been something, as such, for instance, that we've been making noise about for a long time because we have always made the point that uh, what is being used by the department, the current staff establishment uh, thing that they are using, the post-provisioning model that they are using, don't give our schools, and I'm making the point, I emphasize the point, mm. they don't provide enough teachers or staff, uh, supporting staff, to our schools in the townships, to our schools in the rural areas. Whereas, of course, in the suburbs, what is good about this ex-Motor school is that because they are charging high fees, they are able to appoint additional staff, additional teachers, far more than what the department is providing for. Now, our teachers, our schools in the rural areas are relying heavily on the department because, you remember, we are serving the working class. We are serving the poor, those mm. who are not working, the unemployed, who can't pay school fees. And therefore, uh, the money uh, available at our schools is such that you can't afford to appoint additional staff. We have to rely on what the government is doing. So government is not providing uh, enough staff. I mean, it's not a new thing. It's something that we have experienced mm. for a long, long time. We have had campaigns about it. We have knocked on the doors of the department. We have raised it in chambers in the NRC for a very long time to say that we need to change the current post-provisioning model because it is not attending to the realities that we are facing mm. at schools. Yeah. The worrying part, though, Nkosana, about what you're talking about is for parents who've got kids in their schools. Now they are wondering, is there any teaching going on? Uh, question maybe I, I can ask now is, what, what, what are your thoughts on the metric exams just for 2021, uh, getting up to this point where there's even load shedding in you know, a whole lot of <laughs> things. You know, how has this, the, the, how has the metric results been impacted by the conditions you're talking about? Like I'm saying, it's November. I think we should not be surprised. Like, since as a start, we are not surprised about some of these things. They have always been there. I used the word earlier about COVID now. It's just 
exposing them more. Yeah. It's not that the question of water was not there. Mm. The question of uh, maybe abusing facilities, uh, lack of classroom uh, infrastructure in our schools, not enough classrooms. It's not a new thing. I mean, in the rural areas, you don't have proper schools, for instance. Mm. Uh, so it's not a new thing. And you remember what we always raised also as an important point, on a part the emphasis now on grade 12. <clears throat> we always hold the view that a normal education system should emphasize early childhood development. Mm. Because if you emphasize that important phase of the development of a child, if the base is proper, if the foundation is laid properly, you will not have to talk about grade 12. You see, <laughs> at times we as such were saying this euphoria about metric should stop. Mm. Uh, we should flip the system. We should rather talk more about the lower grades. In fact, all successful education systems throughout the world are successful because they focus their attention on early childhood development. Their best teachers, highly qualified teachers, best paid teachers are recruited for early childhood development. Even in terms of the budget, they direct more money to early childhood development because they are aware that if you establish that foundation properly, you will not have difficulties as the child is progressing. Now, the problem in South Africa, and we have always discouraged uh, the country, those who are heading our education from this thing, that don't make so much. It's fine. Grade 12 is very, very important. Uh, all grades are important. But we feel like we must, we, we must be concerned about the performance of our children, of our teachers at the, that lower the, level. The outcomes, the outcomes are, are important. Mm. Yes, yeah, but those outcomes will come, you'll get there if the foundation is proper. Mm. But if the foundation is not proper, I think if you don't develop a child properly, I think research is saying, I think the first thousand days uh, after the birth of a child are very, very important. So if you are able to assist the child, his mind, work on that mind, rewire it properly, up to the first hundred days, everything beyond that uh, will just move smoothly throughout the night. Now, again, our children in the townships don't have access to such development, right? They don't have access to early childhood development. So the, many of them come into contact with learning for the first time when they get to school, when they are six years, which means for the first six years, this child would not have interfaced with any process of learning. There would not have been engagement of the mind, any stimulation, not at, not at all. So this child comes to our school for the first time in grade uh, one. But when he or she arrives in grade one, then he's faced with these realities that I spoke about, overcrowded classes. Mm. He or she can't get individual attention from the teacher. And they are no, you don't have enough books, you don't have enough resources, and all those kind of things there. So I'm saying we, we will have to have a serious discussion, and I'm not complaining, as a, as a union as well. We will have to contribute in that discussion to say that how do we make sure that we really review our education system such that it realizes the objectives of assisting our learners to realize their full potential, develop our country, develop our economy, and grow our country to become a better one. I, I hear you as you talk about what needs to be done. Uh, let's talk about what is happening now and the best ways to deal. For instance, the, especially when it comes to uh, the pupils themselves, there are various stories of bullying, of kids stabbing each other, of uh, teenage pregnancy, and don't, 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 you know, and as you say, overcrowded classrooms. Now, when you say the principals and teachers 
are bogged down by administrative things and things that have nothing to do with you know uh, teaching rather than and being able to monitor and you know the these situations amongst the pupils how must it be handled at this point in time i see the ideal you're talking about but what are the immediate things that need to happen right now to help us and the pupils and teachers with the conditions that exist? Look, uh, it needs uh, many, many, there should be many ways or approaches that we will have to attend to uh, to make sure that uh, we try to resolve this. It won't happen overnight. I think it will take some time, but uh, there are some things that we will have to expedite. Like, for instance, firstly, is the question of appointing more staff uh, at schools. I, I, is it, are we appointing more staff to teach or uh, appointing administrators so that... Both. Both. You, you, you have to appoint more supporting staff in the, in, in the form of administrative uh, staff. Uh, some schools don't even have people who assist with cleaning the classroom, uh, and so on and so forth. So I'm saying you need to attend to both of them, both the teaching and non-teaching staff. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so if you could appoint more teachers, for instance, you might release or relieve the principal of teaching work, and then he might spend more, he might have more time to attend to the administration. But also if you appoint non-teaching staff, he will also complement the, the principal to be able to do to assist him to do a administrative task instead of the principal attending to typing a letter he must think about strategic uh, things there are strategic things that he must think about how do i grow the school mm. how do i make more sure that I, I raise more funds for the school how do i make sure that maybe if we are able to raise more funds we might even be able to buy these resources uh, this learning and teaching support material without relying uh, on the department. How do I make sure that I improve uh, and support my teachers to improve their teaching uh, in the classroom and so on and so forth? <clears throat> I mean, if there are even more teachers available, you might even attend to teach learners who might have psychosocial challenges to your point, highly qualified people who also are able to attend to those. So all those things might relieve the principal and allow him to attend to strategic issues instead mm. of attending to small things like, for instance, typing of a, of, a, of a letter and so on and so forth. As much as that is important, but I'm just saying, if you appoint people to do that, uh, you will be able to. And our schools uh, might change uh, for, for, for the better. But also, uh, we need to say, we need to get involved. We must get the parents also uh, involved in this thing here. Let's take the example of discipline <clears throat> of our children. I think it is an issue that uh, if our parents were assisting us, we could lessen the pressure that principals and teachers are facing at schools. Instead of focusing on teaching and learning, now you must attend to a discipline, to conduct of learners' behavior, of learners, and so on and so forth. So I'm saying, if you can get parents also closer uh, to what is happening at the schools, attend to their behavior of their children, even outside the schools, uh, I think a combination of some of these things here mm. could assist us to move uh, one step forward and slowly, slowly, uh, we might be able to get schools to be conducive centers uh, for learning and teaching. It's a combination of issues. It's not easy, but I'm just saying that there are some of the uh, traps dealing with 
exercising and all those kind of things. I mean, mm. a teacher should spend most of his time to assist the child inside the classroom uh, to be able to develop, to progress, and achieve his or realize his full potential. But now, I mean, when you get to schools, we tend to waste our time on all these side issues as opposed to the real issue of attending uh, to school. Nkosana, what does the department say to all these, uh, uh, what you have described, conditions under which teachers and principals uh, are, are having to operate? Because it looks, from what you're saying, it's like they just keep uh, bringing on more administrative work and uh, requirements where then uh, teachers and principals just want to tick boxes so they can yes. com co you know, complete things rather than actually uh, doing what needs to be done? With due respect, I think the department has adopted a business as normal as usual a kind of uh, approach. I think they are fairly comfortable with uh, the status quo. I, I don't see them uh, having any view of changing the status quo. I thought... Why, uh, why, why, what would take, what did it take for them to, to say different? That's why I want to come to the point. You know, uh. I thought, uh, like, uh, when COVID came and amplified some of these things, I thought they were going to attend to them. Like, for instance, COVID brings up the issue of social distancing. And yes. uh, COVID says um, learners shouldn't be taught in crowded uh, classrooms. So we thought as a union that they are going to attend to this thing here and make sure that post-COVID, we will attend to the question of overcrowded classes. Uh, we're almost two years into COVID now. I, I don't think uh, our schools have changed in terms of providing them with more classrooms, which means post-COVID, we will go back to overcrowded classes. Post-COVID, you'll still having them appointing the same number of teachers at our schools. I don't even think they are fast enough to attend to questions of absence of toilets and so on and so forth, and even building schools uh, for some communities in the rural areas and so on and so forth. I, mm. I, I don't see uh, that agency coming uh, from their side. I think they are just comfortable. It's like business as usual. Next year, there will be another year. There will be a show of people appearing on TV, the minister congratulating matriculants. I mean, that, that's what is happening. But I, we don't see a, a real move to want to change things for the better. Like I'm saying, COVID is exposing them on some of these things here. But they have not even come to discussing this thing of the post-provisional model. Mm. Because, I mean, now they should have known that uh, we need to appoint more teachers, we need to provide let's, them with more classrooms, and so on and so forth. But they are not even entertaining when do you table these things at the LRC. Nkosana, let, let me take a break and we'll come back and talk about these post-provision measures because I also want to talk about the staff and whether or not are there any teachers out there who are out of work or what, what is the problem in uh, the department employing more staff into the education system to alleviate these problems after the break? Triple good sessions in the area. Call up a crew and get ready for the night of your life. After the tough year it has been, you are allowed to live it up with friends and celebrate all the wins you've bagged. 
to stand a chance to win two tickets to experience live performances by TKZ, Murafi, DJ Vigilante at the, at the Nest, Johannesburg, on the 18th of November. Buy a bottle of Grant's Whiskey, tag Grant's Whiskey on social media while you're enjoying with your crew, and you could be joining us. Use hashtag Triple Good Sessions and hashtag Grant's Whiskey. Yes, it is the Shop Stewards Corner on Metro FM Talk, and uh, we are talking about uh, the status of uh, principals and teachers in the education uh, uh, department, or not in the education sector. And Kosana uh, Dolopi, uh, Deputy Secretary, General Secretary of SATU, is uh, our guest as we discuss these issues. And Kosana, before the break, we're talking about these post-provision measures. And I'm, I'm, I'm assuming you're talking about post-COVID, uh, so to speak, measures that need to be taken uh, instead of g going back to like nothing ever happened situation. Yes, <coughs> that's what we were saying. Mm. That, uh, for instance, if you appoint more teachers and uh, you reduce the number of learners in the classroom, because questions of discipline, Bakona Bako okay. Bako is teachers to employ. Well, you, you might not have look you might not have enough of them, but uh, there are that we have. You might not have enough. Look, uh, research has shown that uh, we are a country that is running short of teachers. But we do have. I mean, you can still have some who perhaps who have taken uh, retirement and retirement. You can still recruit them to come back. We are still young and strong. You can still recruit them mm. uh, to come back into the education system and uh, make sure that we attend to maybe the challenges, the shortage of teachers that we have. But I'm thinking. I'm thinking. I'm thinking. I'm thinking. I did a whole bachelor of education degree and and only taught yeah, for two years, and then well. and then I left. <laughs> I left that to go into into media. <laughs> so a, lo a lot of people are probably very qualified to teach. Uh, mm. uh, and could come back into the into the education uh, yes. system. Yes, we could. I mean, many of them, in fact, uh, would chose. I'm not saying you would have done that, but a few of them would have chose to go on to pursue something else. Mm. We're also forced by the conditions of service. Sure. Uh, in in in, the, in education, I mean, <laughs> the salaries that they are earning, not appreciated the pay that they get, and so on and so forth. Especially, for instance, these things. Of, of a crowded classes, causes of discipline of learners, I think chased a few of them away uh, from the from schools and they opted to go and do something uh, else. So, so we, we need to have a serious conversation as a country and say, you know, how do we turn this thing around? More especially for uh, our children in the township. If we want to change their lives for the better, mm. if we want to change the difficult situation that they find themselves in, you know, uh, poverty, in their communities, and we want to build a new kind of manner. We, we need to change our schools uh, to become uh, centers of excellence, you know? And uh, if we could do that, I think we'll be contributing uh, to building our country in a big way. In fact, if we are not careful, uh, we, we, we might be assisting uh, learners to drop out of the system and end up in a social uh, problem. 
uh, we might be contributing to a social ease that we are having. Uh, they are becoming criminals because they are not employable, they don't have skills, they don't have qualifications, and so on and so forth. So this discussion of getting our education system uh, to be proper is a very, very important uh, discussion. And all of us, as stakeholders, all of us, in fact, as citizens in the country should take interest uh, around this. There's another sector in South Africa that uh, we don't talk about that must contribute to our education system, and that's business. These rich people business. in mm. our country, the ones who own our economy, if they can. Mm. These people are beneficiaries of our education system because they employed, uh, it is not him, but they employed in Kwasan, uh, and this gives a coming from our education system. And uh, they must pay, they must give back to our education system. Uh, they must give schools. Uh, for, for, for the same manner that they are going to employ in future, come and work for them. Uh, so, so in Kosati, for instance, they talk about a wealth tax, and this wealth tax should be meant to assist our education system, for instance, through the building of more schools, more classes, and the appointment uh, of many uh, or enough staff at our schools, both teaching and non-teaching staff. So this discussion that we must have must include uh, all of those areas. Government but, might say you don't have enough money. Mkosan, so Mkosan. The money is a business. So let them come and also contribute to relieve us of the problem that we are having. Mkosan, a lot of what you're talking about is really not uh, new to either government or even business, that we have to invest in the education of our children. But what would it take for all these things you're mentioning, despite just talking about it and engaging on it, as you're suggesting, what did it take for it to get done? And as you were saying, the, uh, the system in itself has to do a, a complete overhaul. It will take uh, society to rise. <laughs> like, let's take the example of the elections now. You know, all politicians now know that uh, with the complacency they would have, uh, would have experienced before the 1st of November mm. 2021, they know that society might turn their backs against them. So, so that same vigor, that same energy uh, that was shown on the 1st of November should be shown now uh, uh, in education. We should mobilize everybody in society to say that enough is enough. We can't subject our children to overcrowded classes. We can't subject our children to a situation whereby the principal should be doing everything and does not get uh, support in terms of the employment of enough staff for him to be able to attend to strategic issues. Mm -hmm. We can't subject uh, our teachers to teaching 18 learning, 18 learners and so on. So the community must rise and say that why is it that our children are, are treated like this? Whereas children elsewhere are only 20, 25 uh, in a class in the same country. What is different? Why is it that uh, our children are not uh, subjected to a conducive environment uh, for them to be able to access uh, quality uh, education as well, such that they should, let us say, realize their full potential? Because with the environment that we have in the township and the rural schools, few of our learners will not conclude uh, their grade 12. We will not reach that grade 12 because the environment is such that it might it discourages learners mm. and many of them would drop out of this year. So I, I'm saying I'm, I'm, we should be mobilizing everybody, including you in the media, to speak against this, to say that why is it we accepted uh, 27 is now into democracy that we still have our learners 
subjected uh, to this kind of condition. Are Why we, 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 the principal in a, in a suburb school does not teach yes, five support non-teaching staff, uh, cleaners and all these kind of things there, whereas in the township uh, we don't have this. Nkosan, Nkosan. We, we have to leave it there on those very uh, pertinent questions and making sure that everybody uh, becomes part of these discussions and the initiatives that are needed to be taken to make sure that we resolve these uh, uh, conditions and situation in the education system. I'd like to thank you, my brother, uh, for uh, chatting to us and giving us, uh, you know, giving us sort of like a mirror and look into what really is happening on the ground. And Kosana Dolopi is the Deputy General Secretary of SATU. Thank you.